Hello and welcome to another episode of Bring On The Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Luke Thompson. Eric Rubodin is here with us. Eric, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Doing well. So obviously, you know, Kansas State had a big win over Iowa State football. We're not going to talk a whole lot about that. We're going to keep this a basketball podcast. We brought on Ben Steele joining us again from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. He's the Marquette beat writer. Ben, how you doing? Great. What's up, man? Two times for me. I'm lo- I'm looking forward to uh, like a nice smoking jacket or some kind of gift for making it two times. <laughs> I mean, we'll see. If Marquette ends up winning again, I don't know if you should expect yeah. anything. So. <laughs> That's fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Well, let's start with, I mean, I think Eric and I both watched the Maryland game, you know, to see how Marquette looked. Although, you know, just looking at kind of guys' scoring averages and everything, I'm not sure how indicative that was of how Marquette has been this season. Yeah. Um, but, um, I don't know. I mean, what what was the reaction from, you know, Coach Wojciechowski after that game? I just, Marquette wasn't quite ready to hang with a team of Maryland's caliber. I was really impressed with the Terrapins just by their speed mm-hmm. and their, their physicality on defense. And they're pretty well equipped to guard Marcus Howard. They got a couple of really good defenders on the perimeter and, they switched a lot, which was it's a strategy that's been employed before against Marcus Howard. You just can't give Marcus Howard any space at all. Because if he sees mm-hmm. just like a little sliver of daylight, he can squeeze his shot off. So when you're like switch ball screens, that's that's kind of the way to, to guard him. And they were really good in that regard, Maryland was, the yeah. other day. He just didn't have a lot of room to get any shots off. And when he did, he was kind of rushing a little bit, just kind of, took him out of his rhythm a little bit and especially if you yeah. get him to see if you get him to see miss a couple it kind of throws him off a little bit and but on the other end as Kansas State fans might know if he sees a couple <laughs> go down then like it's just it's hard to turn that off if you're defending against him yeah and well he'd been doing pretty well in that gym in Orlando I think he scored 91 the first two games yeah and then back, back for yeah. yeah for those that missed it uh Maryland beat Marquette 84-63, I think Marcus had, what was it, six yeah. points on one of 12 shooting? Yeah, one of 12 shooting. Yeah. Missed every three-pointer he took. First time that's mm-hmm. happened in, since, like, January of last year. Yeah. You know, that said a lot more to me watching that game about Mar- about Maryland and their scheme and their approach yeah. to guarding Marcus Howard than it did about Marcus Howard at the end of the day. Because, you know, you talked about uh, Howard just needing a sliver of daylight to create something. Yeah. And he never had that sliver for 40 minutes. I have never seen a player as dynamic as Marcus Howard be shut down like that, that effectively uh, at this level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they were like, they were overplaying them. And then so like the big guys are watching like the back cuts. And then, you know, Marcus is always in, always in movement on offense. Like he just runs around the whole game and he was running around screens, going out down the baseline and Maryland would just, switch everything and it was, it was very very impressive their communication on defense like they never lost track of them at all just didn't allow many looks at all yeah yeah and even you know as that game went on he had some shots that you'd expect him to hit but it was like yeah he kind of had the defenders yeah. in his mind maybe a little bit yeah yeah i think he kind of threw off his mentality mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so of course you know last year marcus had a big game against kansas state i, I still think you know I'm not alone among K-State fans wondering what could have happened if Barry Brown hadn't gotten into foul trouble. Yeah. Uh, But this year, I don't know if K-State has that kind of defender. So, you know, Eric, I don't know if you want to take this one. How much help do you think K-State's guards need, whoever is going to be on Marcus Howard? 
Uh, well, that's going to be a really good question. I think Jada is going to draw the initial assignment to guard Marcus Howard. I'm nervous because I think that our perimeter defense is good, but it's not as disciplined as what you saw out of Maryland. So those slivers of daylight are going to be available. And there's a lot of people that probably know this. I'm not a huge fan of our interior presence right now. So if we can't keep him out around the perimeter, that could be a a really long night for us. So, you know, I think that we're absolutely going to have to guard him from a team perspective. We don't have anybody that's going to shut him down one-on-one, not nearly as well as Wiggins did from Maryland, but even and even as well as he played on Howard, it really required a team effort and they knew exactly how they were going to do it. And I'm just, I, I don't have a whole lot of confidence we're going to get there. Yeah. And it, it's kind of, I'm kind of concerned about, you know, the big guys helped out a lot too. And I'm not sure if K-State's bigs can be a, as good to help as it seemed like that was a big deal for Maryland, right, mm-hmm. Ben? They were, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Same thing with Wisconsin too. They were mm-hmm. able to hold a, uh, Marcus to 0 for, 9, 0 for 9 shooting, I think, in the second half of that Wisconsin game. It was the same thing. It was a very half-court oriented game against a set defense like, you you know, you play against Wisconsin, that happens. And mm-hmm. the big yeah, guys we were just really, really good on the screens and just not showing enough and then allowing the guards to recover, but just not allowing that just Marcus to see the basket at all so he can get that shot off. Yeah, yeah I, I do think one of the things that's that's going to work in Jada's favor is Jada is noticeably bigger than Marcus Howard is, kind of like Wiggins was. Mm-hmm. So that can definitely help out there. But uh, one of the things that we've seen from K-State, and it's really just a factor of being young, having a lot of freshmen and newcomers on the, on the floor for long stretches of the, the game, is our defensive rotations are just a, a step slow. And those rotations are really the, the kind of thing that is going to help shore up that defense against someone like Howard. And if mm-hmm. they're a step slow, he's getting shots off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And speaking of newcomers, so Howard's back, obviously, and then Sakar, is it Anim? I'm not sure. Anim. Anim, okay. Yeah. And he's back, and he had a pretty decent game against K-State last year. But yeah. otherwise... You know, so some new faces. Of course, the big news during the off season was Sam and Joey Hauser deciding mm-hmm. to transfer. You know, what kind of impact did their departure have for this team? You know, where they missed the most? I mean, it's perimeter shooting. Sam and Joey, really good, skilled big men. Both shot over 40% on threes last year. Couldn't leave them open. That's where Marquette's kind of these first few games this season have been just an adjustment on offense it's been like either Marcus has been really hot and nobody else is scoring or they've shut Marcus down and everyone's kind of doesn't know what to do as far as secondary or third options on on offense so they're still kind of figuring that out where Marquette I think is better without the Hauser brothers is on defense the defense is actually Marquette's actually been really good defensively this year they don't have a lot of steals they don't cause a lot of turnovers but they've just been really good at guarding the ball. They have more, without Sam and Joey, they have more quicker athletic players on the defensive end, more long-arm guys. They're just a little bit crisper on the defensive end. They're keeping guys in front of them. So what they lost on the offensive end, I think they make up for a little on the defensive end. But, I mean, just efficiency-wise on the offensive end, they they really missed those two three-point options uh, alongside Marcus Howard, which just kind of spread the court a little more. Mm-hmm. But Sunday, they found a pretty good option in Brendan Bailey. He had 27, which I think yeah. was more than double his career high. How surprising was that breakout game no, for him? I've been waiting for this. He was the, kind of like the key player I was looking for this season. If you watch the guy in practice, it's just like he's just got a beautiful stroke. He's like 6'9", 
he's, he's kind of skinny, but he said his stroke is just beautiful. And he's just in practice, he knocks down all these shots, but for some reason it just wasn't translating to the games just yet. I think he started the year. He was like one for his first nine or 10 on three pointers. So it really started coming around the last two or three games and then really took off against Maryland. He was, shooting with confidence that game. Like the first couple of games, you could tell his confidence was a little shaken when he was missing a lot. He was missing layups. He, he, he was hesitant to shoot. But last game against Maryland, he wasn't even thinking about it. He was just firing up at the basket. And once he, he saw a couple go down, I think he's got his confidence back. He's a key player for Marquette this year. I saw that, uh, you know, watching that game that you, you talk about a stroke. He does have, he, ha- he has great mechanics. It's just a very natural yes. shooting motion. And I saw like after he, he hit his first three in that game and they showed up a graphic like he was averaging four points a game or something yeah. like that coming into this yeah. game. And I'm watching this guy play and he just kept scoring and kept scoring. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there wondering like, how is he only scoring four points a game? I mean, he, he, he ought to be a 20 point a game player. Yeah, I think the first two games of the year for the first three games, I think he only had like two points. So he was really really struggling in the first two or three games. And then he had a little breakout game against Robert Morris. I think he had 10 points in that game. And then shot a little better the next game against Davidson. And then finally seemed to all come together against Maryland. So that seems like a guy, Eric. I don't know. It's, if I'm not sure what Montavious Murphy's status is, but if he could come back, maybe he would get that assignment. Or, or maybe you put Snead on him and give up a couple inches. <laughs> You know, I I actually think that uh, I think you probably you probably run someone like Antonio Gordon out uh, on him to start and just see how it goes and just be like you know make it make sure that you know run him off the line don't let him shoot threes uh-huh. and if you start running into problems I think Snead is athletic enough that he can guard that six nine player like that but if you when we start going that route you're gonna have to start looking at playing a little bit more small ball because I I just don't think that that having Snead guard someone like Bailey and then having two other post players on the, or two you know another four and a five on the right. floor really makes a lot of sense. Well, Murphy was I mean he was the guy in Antonio Gordon's spot before he got hurt. I I'm, I don't know. Have you heard anything about his stat? Well, I've heard that he's out for this game um, okay. uh, yet, and they're hoping by the end of December he'll be ready to go. That's a bummer. When I was down in Fort Myers, I saw him out in the hallway after the uh, after the Bradley game, and mm-hmm. watching him try to walk up the steps to get up to the seating area, uh, yeah, he was not going to be ready for this game. Um, okay. And I'm not sure if it's a knee or an ankle issue. It looked like a knee issue the way he was walking and that sort of thing. And it, it certainly didn't look like he was day-to-day by any means. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then the other guy from Marquette, um, another new guy, the transfer, uh, Kobe McEwen, he was pretty quiet against Maryland, but yeah. you know, what does he bring to the table? Yeah, he's kind of struggled offensively. Uh, he had one really good game against Purdue in uh, the second game of the, the season. Uh, he scored 23 in that one, I think, and most of it was after halftime. Marquette kind of rallied from a, a big first-half deficit against the Boilermakers, and he was kind of the key in that one. So it looked like he was ready to go. You know, he sat out last season. He was a transfer from uh, Utah State. But then ever since that game, well, he was good against the, against Wisconsin the next game after Purdue, but the last four games, he struggled to finish in the paint, and he's had a had trouble with turnovers that's the whole Marquette team has had an issue with that over the first mm-hmm. uh, start of the season here uh, but yeah he's uh you know sometimes with the, these guys that sit out for a year it could take up little uneven performances when they start playing so 
I know a little some Marquette Marquette fans are a little worried about his performance over the last few games, but he's a good defender. Like he he's a really hard nosed type of point guard. He's not super quick, but he finds a way to get into the lane. He's one of those type of guys, but he just mm-hmm. hasn't been able to kind of finish or distribute quite the way that Mar- Marquette fans want to out of him. Mm-hmm. Well, and I wonder that finishing inside has maybe been an issue kind of for the whole team because they're shooting, yeah. I believe it's 41% from three, but then only 43% from two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, seems like. Yeah. Not getting a lot of production out of the big guys either. If, if, as far as points wise, defensively, the, the big guys have been pretty good, but they just don't, they don't get a lot of, they don't feed the post a lot and they haven't got a lot of points around you know, off of offensive rebounds or anything. Though so, uh, Marquette's got a seven-foot grant transfer uh, from Utah, Jace Johnson. He played really well against Maryland. He he missed the first couple games with a knee injury, so he's kind of slowly working his way back. And he played 19 minutes against Maryland. That was his most he's played all season. And he looks he looks like he's moving better. So I don't know. That might give him a, some uh, more playing time against Kansas State. Uh, we'll see how he looks. Marquette plays tomorrow, uh, Wednesday against uh, Jacksonville. So we'll see how he looks in that one. And, yeah, I think he might start playing a little more. So that's one thing to watch out for this weekend. Yeah, yeah. And, Eric, as far as the three-point shooting, I mean, K-State's defense has mostly been good, but Bradley obviously had a lot of success beyond the arc in that game. You know, What do you think of the, the K-State three-point defense heading into this game? I think in general, our three-point defense has been decent. It hasn't been quite as good as it has been in the last couple of years. I think a big part of that is just uh, this team lacks some discipline, seems to be a little bit more crazy on the perimeter um, than what you saw with Barry Brown and Cam Stokes uh, over the last couple of years, really being able to lock those players down. Bradley was honestly, to me, a little bit of a, uh, it was a little bit of an outlier because we really struggled with losing losing track of where their shooter was. We did a pretty good job the game before uh, against Ryan Murphy from Pitt, really kind of keeping him quiet from outside and that sort of thing. So the game against Bradley really didn't concern me too much because it was an, a, a bit of an outlier. You know, even even including that game, we're still, we're still holding opponents at 28% from three point. Right. So it, it's still not bad. And I think Bradley hit 12 or 13 threes, and like 10 of those were two guys, and the one guy had six. So. Yep. Yeah. But, and something else, you know, to talk about tempo a little bit. We we talked, you know, a lot coming into the season about Bruce wants to play faster, and I think we actually have seen it a little bit from K-State, but they're certainly still not playing anywhere near the pace that Marquette likes to play at. Yeah. Um, so how do you guys think pace will be a factor in this game? Yeah, I think Marquette's defense, they really need to start forcing more turnovers and get more steals because they're mm-hmm. really good. But, you know, when you get out on the open floor and, you know, that's how Marcus can get some open shots and get some easier looks from the three-point line, you know, when he's not playing against a set defense and he can get run outs. And that helps other people get able to slash at the basket more because the defense is always looking, looking, looking for Marcus in transition. So all their attention's that way and so it opens up more opportunities but they just haven't Marquette's got the I, I I expected them to to be create a lot more turnovers block a lot more shots this year but that just hasn't materialized yet I'm not not quite sure why I know they're not gambling a lot but they have the personnel to do it so yeah. I don't know if it's going to happen but I feel like it's there and it's just waiting to come out 
Yeah, tempo for me is a really weird, weird thing because there's so many factors that play into it. K-State is playing at a bit, a, a bit faster tempo this year than they have in the past. I think it's one of their fastest tempo teams that Bruce Weber has had in Manhattan. But when you dive into it, you can split tempo into defensive tempo and offensive tempo. And one of the things when you talk about the overall you know, number of possessions in a game and, and how tempo affects that and whatnot, one of the things that our defense does and really focuses on is playing solid enough defense that the other team's going to end up using the majority of the shot clock if we can't force a turnover. And that's just going to naturally slow the tempo down. It has nothing to do with how, quote unquote, fast you want to play. Um, so, you know, if you, uh, if you dive into our tempo stats this year and split those two things up, we are one of the best teams in the country as far as forcing the, our opponents to use the majority of the shot clock on a uh, per possession basis. But if, if you take a look at our offense, we're actually in the top third as far as how much time we spend with the ball on offense. Yeah. And now, some of that's probably forcing turnovers too and getting those fast break buckets. That, that's absolutely right. And I think there has been a little bit of a focus to play faster in a half court set. Unfortunately, I think when you combine that with some discipline, it's, it's putting us in positions to that we're, we're taking the first acceptable shot instead of really working to find great shots, which is also you know really leading into why I don't think we're playing that well offensively in general this year. And so looking at Marquette's defense, I think something that, that Eric and I were a little bit worried about when we saw it is Marquette switched to a 2-3 zone against Maryland. Not necessarily super effective against a team with that with some great shooters, but against the K-State team that's shooting 29% from three, I think Marquette might go back to that. Yeah, they could. I mean, that was the first time they used it all year, so I was a little surprised. But, you know, when I asked Coach Roger Housekeep about it afterwards, he was like, well, we weren't getting any stops in man-to-man defense, so <laughs> we, had to, we had to try something else. So I know, I know they'd prefer to play man, but it's, I think it's a nice change-up for them that they know that it works a little yeah. bit. I mean, it worked a little bit against Maryland, right. so Maryland right. kind of figured, figured some stuff out there in the last, like, seven, eight minutes. But I, I, I'd expect probably mostly man unless something, you know, drastically goes wrong. Yeah. 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 I, you know, I've said this the last couple of years, for those of you out there that uh, listen to our podcast, if I was playing defense against Kansas State University, I would line up in a 2-3 and I would say, if you can beat us, beat us. Because we have, we, we've just never really developed a consistent get the ball in, in into the paint, collapse the zone, kick it back out to get open shots. And we don't have good enough shooters to, in general to shoot guarded threes and make them. And if you're not collapsing that zone, you're not getting open threes. That, that's all there is to it. So, yeah, if I was playing, you know, I, I, hear you, I hear you loud and clear about, you know, Marquette wanting to play man, and that's just, you know, that, that defensive mentality or that defensive identity that they want. But we can't shoot the ball <laughs> against a, a set defense. So I, I, I would continue, even even with this team, you know, to set up in that 2-3 and just say, you know what, if you can hit enough threes to beat us, more power to you. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, and we'll take a quick commercial break now to hear from our sponsors. And we're back. So, you know, especially Marquez playing the man-to-man, you know, we'll probably see Cartier Jada making some of his drives at some time get out of control inside. Uh, hopefully we see Xavier Sneed attacking the basket some more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. But, you know, how do the Marquette big guys do as far as helping it out? I was, actually, I was looking at the block numbers, and, yeah. you know, they looked decent, but then I noticed that Theo John had, like, eight of his 15 blocks in one game. So yeah. maybe that was a little deceiving. 
Yeah, Theo's a really good shot blocker. He led the Big East blocks last year. His problem is just he gets in foul trouble. Uh, he's like a big, thick guy, and you know he's kind of surly when he plays. So it just lends itself naturally just to referees calling fouls on him. A lot of them are warranted, but some of them are just like reputation fouls, I think. But he's a really good shot block. He's got really good timing. And Jace Johnson, like I mentioned before, he's starting to come around. He's, he's got really good length. That's, you know, seven feet tall. But he moves pretty well. He's not a plotter. But he was much be- he's much better than Theo at just playing straight up and down. You know, Theo would kind of jump into guys and hit him with a little bit of his body, and that's how he gets a lot of foul calls. Right. The big guys are pretty pretty good defensively. They've struggled offensively, but defensively they've been pretty sound. Mm-hmm. And so, Eric, I think you and I have talked about we both like to see X attack more, but in the case of Curry Ajata, I mean, I think Stan Weber was talking about it a lot in the game against Torrey A&M. He has this kind of bad tendency to go in and then sort of jump before he knows what he's going to do with the basketball. You know, what does he need to do to or figure things out without toning down his aggressiveness too much. You know, that's a that's a difficult ask, right? Because you, you want him to keep attacking the basket. And part of that is just when you're 6'2", 6'3", whatever he is, and have that kind of athleticism, you can kind of let your athleticism bail you out a little bit. And you can kind of go in with some reckless abandon. I don't necessarily know that we want to tell him not to do that kind of stuff as much as just, you know, let's pick and choose your spots. Like, don't come down three plays in a row and, you know, just drop your head and drive it straight at the goal and see if you can make something happen because they're going to figure it out. They're going to know it's coming. And, you know, one of the things that we've been seeing is that he either he gets down there and against a good post defender, you know, someone notably bigger than him that's got that's got a chance to set up against it. He's going to get a kind of a poor shot off or he ends up having to, you know, chuck it back out and hopefully find someone out at the arc because no one else is crashing down there with him. So, you know, I would I would like to see him on those dribble drives and, you know, take it to the basket. I would like to see him not commit to going all the way to the basket until probably halfway down the lane. You know, just kind of standard control, keep dribbling that basketball. Hopefully someone like a Mac or an Antonio Gordon or an X slashing in off the side is going to be coming in to help him out and keep the defense honest. That's some stuff that'll that that can help out there. But yeah, it's it you're walking a really fine line there because you really don't want him to tone down that aggressiveness. You just want him to be more smart about it. Yeah. And it's been kind of interesting to see that, you know, even though he's a lefty, he's sort of developed a tendency to go to his right a lot. And you gotta wonder how he's gonna adapt to that when teams start. You know, maybe shading him the other way. Well, and he said that flat out. He was uh, mentioned in an interview earlier this year that asked him what he worked on in the offseason, what he was most happy about, what he brought around. He flat out said working on his right hand to where he's just as comfortable with it as on the left Mm -hmm. side. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, we'll see how that goes. Hopefully we we see a better crowd on Saturday. But I think, I mean, this is the best non-conference game that K-State has played in years, right? At Bramlage? I think in Bramlage, we played some good games, uh, neutral site and, yeah, and that sort of thing. But, sure. yeah. but yeah, in Bramlage, this is probably the, it's certainly the highest profile home game non-conference that I can think of in recent memory. Mm-hmm. And then for Marquette, I mean, this is their last chance to get a non-conference road win. So how, how much yeah. importance do you think they're placing on this game? Yeah, uh, this is this is a good good road matchup for them. They lost their previous road match, the rivalry game against Wisconsin, and the, the neutral court lost to Maryland. That's not going to hurt them that much. But this is a mm-hmm. this is a big this is the last big test before the Big East season for for Marquette. Right, right. 
And so, yeah, I just wanted to talk about Marquette basketball a little bit, you know, beyond just the home games at the beautiful new Pfizer Forum. Um, how much do you think the Bucks' success has impacted Marquette basketball? Has it brought in more fans? Yeah. or? Yeah, I, I think it's pretty – basketball just in general is pretty exciting around Milwaukee the last couple of years just with Giannis doing doing what he's doing. And, and last year before their collapse at the end of the season, Marquette you know, was a top-10 team. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, Marquette's always had – you know, basketball is Marquette's thing. So there's always, yeah, always yeah. excitement about Marquette basketball amongst their fan base. Not a huge school, so not a huge – alumni base but it's very passionate about basketball so there's always going to be excitement about basketball with those guys mm-hmm. and then so i was wondering you know k-state obviously lost a ton and it was reflected in the preseason poll but you know even some of the players talked about feeling disrespected getting dropped down to ninth marquette mm-hmm. lost a little bit and they were dropped down to a tie for fourth in the preseason poll you know was there any talk of, of disrespect from those guys no, that kind of seemed about right. I would have had them probably third or fourth in the Big East, so I don't think. And there were just – there's, I mean, there still is a lot of questions just as far as offensively with Marquette. So there was just a lot of unknowns with them. I, they were going to have to figure some stuff out without the Hauser brothers. Just yeah. We weren't quite sure what they were going to look like offensively, and to be honest, we're still not that quite sure about how they're going to look offensively besides, like, you know, Marcus going for 40 or 50 – you know, we're just we're still kind of kind of learning about this this team a little bit. Yeah. Well, how much? I mean, so far it's been Marquez kind of gone as Marcus Howard goes against quality opponents. Yeah. You know, you think yeah. that's going to hold through? Yeah, I think so. I think that's going to be that way at least until you know, at least until conference season. I think it's going to take a while just for for the other guys mm-hmm. to come around a little bit. Yeah, and they get a pretty brutal start to conference play. They open at Creighton, which yeah. you know, but then Nova, Providence, Seton Hall, and Xavier all in a row. It's pretty tough. Yeah, yeah. that's all the teams predicted ahead of them, so they got them right right, right off the bat. <laughs> well, that'll be interesting. All right, well, I think probably time to, to wrap this up. Ben, you want to give us a prediction for Saturday? What do you see happening? Oh, man. Yeah, I think it's going to be tight, but I think listening to you guys talk about defense. I think Marcus might be able to get loose a little bit, so uh, I'll go Marquette, you know, by five. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think, yeah, K-State, I don't know if they're going to be able to score much more than 60, so got to rely on the defense again at this point. If K-State wins, it's going to be ugly. Don't you think, Eric? Yeah, yeah I think, right. I, I'm telling you, I think if K-State can keep Marquette under 65, we've got a chance. I don't think that we score more than 65 points in this game. And, uh, you know, my, my gut feel is, is that I think we'll be amped. I think we'll be, we'll be ready to play. We'll probably end up playing what will, you know, if you really dive into it, what will probably be our best game of the season so far. But I think that picking Marquette to win by five is, that's awful nice, uh, to, to be honest with you. Like, I, 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 think, I, think, I think Marcus Howard's going to have at least 30. To, uh, yeah. to be honest with you, and I would expect it to be probably a 15 to 20 point game at the end of the day. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, you can check out Ben's work at jsonline.com. And is there a Twitter people can follow you? Yeah. At Ben Steele, MJS, Steele, S T E L E. So Ben Steele, MJS. 
All right. Sounds good. Well, Ben, we appreciate you coming on again. Uh, you know, yeah, no game fun. scheduled yet with Marquette, but hopefully uh, get a chance to talk with you again. Yeah, sounds so. good. I'm looking forward to uh, making the trip. I've never been to uh, Manhattan, Kansas yeah. before, so I'm kind of kind of excited. How yeah, much time are you going to spend there? Uh, I'm getting there like Friday evening-ish, and, you know, the game doesn't start till 8 o'clock Saturday, so I plan on just walking around a lot in the campus area and staying on. Points Avenue, is that how you pronounce it? Okay. Yep. Yeah. Little yeah. Hampton Inn out there. Um, okay. So, yep. I'll, I'll uh, take any yeah. uh, any recommendations, beverage, food, um, anything around that area. I'm going to be on foot mostly, so. Uh, of course, I would uh, I would try to make your way down to Aggieville. So Long Saloon is a great place to go grab dinner. The uh, okay. raspberry and black bean dip is uh, is is Ooh. out of this world. Uh, okay. And then okay. you, you can't you can't make a trip to Manhattan without hitting up Varsity Donuts down there as well. <laughs> okay, they stay open yeah. late, right? I think I read that, right? Yeah, they stay open late. Night. You can get yourself a, a mac and cheese donut, um, so or you can head back. Yeah, or you can head back in the morning. They open up early in the morning for breakfast and, and grab oh. some fresh baked donuts in the morning as well. Oh. Do oh, it both. Do it both times. Yeah. I'm <laughs> yeah. And I think if K-State does manage to find a way to win, you should work uh, Octagon of Doom into your story. I don't know if you're familiar with that <laughs> moniker for Bamlich. No, no, I am so. not. I'm not <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe you'll see some signs. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, sounds good, Ben. Thanks a lot for joining us. Thanks, Eric. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yep. So, yeah, I'll start the